Wug one, everyone, and welcome to Film Shrapnel, your one-stop spot for everything movies. My name's Tobias. And my name is, unfortunately, Craig. Why is it unfortunate, Craig? It's always unfortunate with you. It's a shit name. It's not a great name. <clears throat> I'm good, actually. I'm good. I'm good. I'm just a nice. little bitch. Nice. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say what we're doing today. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are we doing, Craig? You're you're sort of uh, the man in charge today. I'm reading so what, things what we today. Uh, you are. So, <laughs> what we're gonna do is basically, me and Tobias have been talking about films that were never made or films that were never released, and we got thinking like, what what could there be really? Uh, and I mm. found an article. Uh, who is it by? I might as well give him a shout. By Elisa Seigel or Siegel, I'm not sure how you pronounce that. From big up, big ups to Elisa Seigel of KSLA News 12, wherever the hell that is. Is in LA? Big I ups. And she made an article called The 10 Greatest Movies Never Made. And we thought we'd have a read through and kind of try to imagine what these films could have been like. And yeah. Yeah. Although uh, I don't know, I don't know what to expect on this list. I, I, I know a couple of movies that, that might pop up, but I don't know what you've got in front of you right now, do I? To be honest... I don't really know what I've got in front of me either. I mean, I've got a list. I can oh, see directors' better. names and random titles, but I know nothing about these films. Uh, oh, brilliant. Even better. Even better. Yeah. I'm so excited. Fully I, imagine. I mean, I, I suppose, like, ju just, like, going in, just going into it, like, I think, like, mo movies that have never been made, you know, that, but we know about, like, I, I think Superman Lives, the one with Nick Cage as Superman, that was definitely one that, you know, I would have loved for them to have made. I would have loved to have seen how that would have ended up looking like, especially with Tim Burton directing. Um, there's a couple of other films as well. Uh, I know Hitchcock was developing something called Kaleidoscope Frenzy at one point, And uh, the production company were like, we can't let you make this movie. It will kill your, your brand. So I've heard I've heard whispers of movies that have never been made or are stuck in production hell. Um, let's do this list. Uh, so uh, yeah, go on, Craig. Uh, hit me with your best shot. The first film we have is by Martin Scorsese. It's called Gershwin, Ooh. and this is what's written. Right. In the early 80s, Martin Scorsese teamed up with his frequent collaborator, taxi driver screenwriter Paul Schrader, uh, to write the screenplay for Gershwin, a film that would have focused on the mysterious personal life of the great composer George Gershwin. After Scorsese and Schrader's relationship uh, soured, uh, Scorsese bought another screenwriter, uh, John Guari, if that's how you pronounce it, to make the film which would have starred Robert De Niro, of course. I mean, always. Oh, uh, this partnership uh, was not meant to be either. It fell apart when Warner Brothers passed it on in favor of Scorsese's other developing project, uh, a biopic on Dean Martin, which ironically also never got made. Hmm. So that's just, I could. there's a little bit more information if you want it. 
like a, a two lines. Should I read that as well? I might as well, actually. Yeah, go on. Yeah, why not? Uh, there is still some hope for a Scorsese-led Gershwin project. In 2021, Scorsese and John Carney, the director of musical films Once and Begin Again, announced they'd be collaborating on, on a Gershwin-inspired musical film called Fascinating Rhythm. So I don't know what to say here because I have never heard of George Gershwin before. Have you heard of him? The name rings a bell. I think maybe in the far recesses of my mind, I I, re- I definitely recognise the name. Hmm. I mean, yeah, it sounds like it make an interesting film, but it also sounds like we we may still get it. Yeah, it sounds like we might still get what this. Mm. Um, I don't know. Martin Scorsese is one of my favourite directors. Like, I really, I really like. Like, he I is. grew up watching like uh, his gangster movies. I think he just yeah. nails it so well. Uh, yeah, but he also, really is brilliant. Also, his other stuff that he's done, like, uh, like we were talking earlier about uh, King of Comedy. Yes. Um, what else has he done that's not been gangster related? Didn't uh, he do Hugo? He yes. did Hugo, didn't he? That animated movie. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen that, but I like that he did it because like, I feel a, like he's not it's, just it's a gangster about, guy. It's about George Melier, isn't it? Hugo. I think it might be, yeah. It's got something about that. It's about filmmaking and stuff. I think. Mm. Uh, Can't think of what else. I mean, he did The Parted. Oh, of course, he did Wolf of Wall Street. That's not a Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, in a funny kind of of way, kind of is and isn't, I don't know. Well, it's it's about corruption, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like Wolf of Wall Street. I like Scorsese. I mean, you know what? I, I, it sounds like we might get this film sooner rather than later anyway. Yeah. Um, How old is Martin Scorsese now? Oh, God. I mean... He's got to be about 80. He's got to be, yeah. Sure. Maybe older. Mm. Um, it, it's just interesting, isn't it? Like, maybe maybe once he does make his Gershwin movie, we could look back to see, like, try and figure out what uh, it would have looked like if he could have made it way back when he had the initial idea with, mm. with De Niro in the lead role and his like frequent collaborator writing the script. Um, it probably would have been a bit more in tone with Taxi Driver. Yeah. You know, when I think about all these uh, films that get held back for many years and have uh, many new collaborators and one leaves another one comes and this changes and ownership changes and then the priorities change I always think of um, when they tried to reboot Jurassic Park for Jurassic World or whatever and yeah. like all the crazy ideas they went through and how they changed it so much like did you hear that there yeah, was well, even one point where they were thinking of giving them guns and stuff <laughs> it's like yeah, what the fuck I, I, I heard that they were going to give the dinosaurs guns and be part robot and they could talk. Yeah. <laughs> it's and fucking so ridiculous. I even find... Just... I, I still struggle with the idea that they, they made these kind of mutant dinosaurs you, in the first you know place. What? Yeah, I, I'm not really keen on that, but I suppose it does fit with Jurassic Park. Um, but I, I will say... Wouldn't don't you think it would be really good if if you asked me to reboot Jurassic Park? What I would do is I would do it about like 
you go on that ride at Universal Studios, but all the animatronic dinosaurs like become sentient. And then it's everyone trapped at a theme park. With so dinosaurs. basically, you would do Jurassic Westworld. I'd do Jurassic Westworld <laughs> or or Jurassic Hills Cop Three. What? <laughs> what? What are those? Pick one of those. Yeah, I, I'd do that. I do Five Nights at Freddy's, but with dinosaurs. Yeah, I, 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 I'd watch. I'd watch the shit out of that. I'd love that. <laughs> Let's move on uh, to the next one. Yeah, uh, go for it. Go for it. Because we got we got still nine to get through, and I'm not sure all of them will will know what to say. Okay, um, that's fine. That's fine. So next one is Spike Lee's "Save Us, Joe Lewis." Uh, okay. So Spike Lee acquired the rights to the life story of heavyweight champion Joe Lewis in the year 2000. Shortly after he lost uh, his shot to direct a Muhammad Ali biopic, uh, biopic sorry, to Michael Mann. At, this, at the time, Lee's interest in making a film focused on Lewis was seen as part of getting revenge on Warner Brothers for going a different director for Ali's story. Wait, uh, so you, hang on. Are you telling me that the Will Smith Ali movie could have been directed by Spike Lee? Yes, looks oh like it. God, I think that would have been, been better. Yeah, I would have preferred Spike Lee to have directed that. I do like the movie. It's a good movie. And I think Will Smith is great in it. Uh, but could you imagine if Spike Lee directed that? That would have been amazing. I think it would have been much stronger. That would have been very yeah. cool. And Spike Lee, by the way, does seem like someone who, who would be very bitter about something like that as well. So I'm not too surprised that he'd be pissed. Yeah, um, pa pa passive aggressively making another boxing movie. Just yeah. yeah, I like that. I like yeah. Spike Lee. Well, I think he'd do that justice. Yeah, there's a bit more information here. Yeah, uh, go on. Lee, Lee co-wrote co the movie with uh, Bud Schulberg, the direct uh, the writer behind the novel "What Makes Sammy Run," and the screenplay for "On the the Waterfront." According oh, to Lee, he wrote "On the Waterfront." And uh, yeah, this guy Bud Bud Schulberg. That's, that's, a, that's a good movie. That's really good. Uh, according to Lee. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was in talks to play the part of uh, Max Schimmling, Sch Sch is that how you say it? Uh, Joe Lewis's rival. After the project fell apart due to lack of financial backing, another pro uh, producing duo bought the exclusive rights to the Joe Lewis story in 2014, but they never ended up producing a film either. As of 2021, which I guess is why this, the, the, when this article was written, which is, you know, I'm referencing it twice now, uh, Lee was still uh, vowing to make Save Us Joe Lewis, saying that he had uh, made a promise to Schroberg before his, oh, the guy died in 2009 to turn the project into reality. Oof, I don't know about that one, because if he doesn't have the rights to make it anymore, and some other guys now have it. He could stay in like uh, limbo for many more years before something happens. Mm. Yeah, we uh, might not see that one. Yeah. But it looks like Spike Lee clearly wants to make it. And sometimes that's all it takes in Hollywood. Just someone with, um, someone with um, you know, fame and, you know, a following turn around and go, I want to do this can sometimes just make it happen. I suppose Ryan Reynolds and Deadpool is a prime example. Mm. Um, 
I think even Keanu Reeves, you know, he, he floated once that he'd love to play Ghost Rider and now it's all people can talk about. <laughs> I'd still love that though. Yeah. It would just be amazing as well if they made it back in the day and had Arnold Schwarzenegger. But hold on, what year I mean, what, what been? No, yeah, I was going to say what year because like, I thought you were saying it was in the 2000s and if that's the case, Schwarzenegger would have been... You know, he's he'd be in the twilight of his life at that point. <laughs> you say, but he's still alive. Uh, <laughs> no, but I know what you mean. Yeah. I mean, but, a bit I, old, I, I think, at that point. Yeah. I'm also thinking about like Jackie Chan back in that period as well. It felt like they're both past their physical, physically best abilities. Mm. But um, you still can't get help get a kick out of watching them kick ass. Though. Yeah. And they're going to make a fucking ton of money for you if you put them in a film. Oh, yeah. Like, so that would have been very interesting. But yeah, that I mean, that's what this has been more than 23 years since uh, Spike Lee brought the rights to this film. And now he doesn't even have the rights to it anymore. So sorry, Spike. Sorry, mate. Unlucky. Sorry. Better luck next time. He does make good films, though. But I suppose after the remake of Old Boy, he's not going to work much anymore. Yeah, I didn't watch that. Well, I heard it wasn't very good. It's not very good, but in all fairness, he actually did do very good films after that. Mm. He he did one recently that were like it really good. I forget what it was called now. But yeah, Spike Lee is a quality little director. It's just, yeah, I've sort of fallen out of flavor with him since the remake of Old Boy. Didn't need to be remade, in my opinion. No, not at all. Not at all. Waste of time. Yeah. Oh, should we move on to the next one? Yes. So number three is Catherine Bigelow. Uh, Bigelow, who's... She was the ex-wife Ooh. of um, Cameron. What's his name? James Cameron. Oh, yeah, they, they used to be married, right? Am I correct? I think so, yeah. I think so. Anyway, sorry. Catherine yeah. Bigelow's Company of Angels. By the way, I quite like Catherine Bigelow. Uh, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, and she is James Cameron's... Uh, ex-wife i think she directed that film i think it's got uh jeremy renner in it where he's a bond bomb disposal expert uh, yeah uh, she 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 did hurt locker yeah it's really good. yeah that's a very good film i i really thought that was shot really really well it's uh, amazing i yeah. love hurt locker one of the one of the better you know i i seem to remember at the time being quite uh, unsatisfied with movies at the time uh, but then Hurt Locker and like a bunch of other stuff sort of came out around the same sort of time. And I was like, oh, shit, OK, movies aren't dead yet. Uh, mm. Give it another few years before I before I think <laughs> and then every now and again, some good movies come out where I'm like, oh, OK, cinema isn't dead yet. But then like there'll be a spell where the only things that come out are, you know, the Avengers or fucking Super Mario or Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> You're talking about now. This, I'm talking about now, yeah. Like, <laughs> there's nothing coming out. There's nothing coming out at the minute that I, I'm... I'll go and watch them because they're fun, but, like, they're not amazing. I won't lie, though. The new Super Mario Brothers movie is actually way better than I thought it would be. I really enjoyed it. Really fun. Okay. That's good yeah. to know. Uh, so let me read this one for you. Go on then, hit uh, me with your best shot. 
Company of Angels was supposed to be a Joan of Arc epic in Catherine Bigelow's signature action-packed style, developed in conjunction with mm. Jay Cox, a regular Scorsese collaborator. After French director Luc Besson secured the funding for the film, all seemed to be on track. Interesting. Uh, the project was derailed, though, after Besson insisted his partner, Mila Jov- Jovovich, uh, be given the lead role. Bigelow had Claire Danes in mind to star, and Besson pulled the funding, moving on to make his own Joan of Arc film in 1999. Bigelow sued Besson for breach of contract after he allegedly stole parts of her script to use in his movie. She did not pursue the project again. Oh, that's... Uh, that's okay, hard. that's pretty shitty. Yeah. Yeah, pretty shitty. But like, you know what? Just trying to imagine a Catherine Bigelow directed Joan of Arc produced by Luc Besson with Mila Jovovich in the leading role. I mm. mean, I'd fucking watch it. That sounds great. Yeah, and also a bit of Scorsese I mean, touch there too. And like, don't get me wrong. And like Mila Jovovich, you know, she does what she does very well, and she doesn't really deviate from that. Although I still maintain you watch uh, Zoolander and she is giving a very different performance to what you normally see her do, mm. even though she's only in it for a small amount of time. Um, I, I, I like Mila Jovovich. And I think when you, when you, again, you're thinking about Luke Besson, you, you watch her in Fifth Element. Um, she's really good, like otherworldly. And I feel like Joan of Arc, you know, if, if you lent Mila Jovovich's sort of style to that, I think it could be really interesting. I actually think Luc Besson might have had a good shout there for Mila Jovovich. Yeah, I actually do. When, uh, when, as I was reading that, I was remembering there was there was a film, I think, with her in Joan of Arc. Um, so what? So when Luc Besson went and made the film, Mila Jovovich played Joan, Joan of Arc. Arc. Yeah. So basically, well, Catherine does Bigelow that really got... count then? Does that really count? Because then the movie did get made. Yeah, but it wasn't Catherine Bigelow's. So I think it was originally her idea. And then she basically got shooed off because Luc Besson had all the funding. Luc Besson, man, you're a bit of a prick with this one, aren't you? I mean, having said that, though, I do. I am a fan of his work. I like Luc Besson's stuff. I am a fan of Mila Jovovich. Maybe I need to check out this... Uh, this Joan of Arc, but you know, maybe I need to reserve my judgment before I watch this film because, you know, as much as I like Catherine Bigelow, I do also really like Luc Besson and Mila Jovovich. So, mm. if the if the movie's bad, then we can then it'd be very easy for us to go, yeah, Catherine Bigelow should have got to make it. But if it's actually a good film, then it might have been the right call. You never know. But the, the thing that's really sh- uh, even extra shitty is that uh, Besson potentially used parts of the scripts that Catherine Bigelow wrote as well. That's just yes, yeah, that's that, not okay. That's that's proper shitty, and you, you'd like to think that uh, Catherine Bigelow would be paid some sort of royalty for it. Mm. Um, but I imagine I also imagine that her version of the film probably would be a lot more actiony than uh, this Joan of Arc film that Besson made. I mean, the thing is, Catherine Bigelow, she's good at action, but she's also good at just making a very, like, dramatic 
film. I think Hurt Locker has really good dramatic moments that really sort of kick you in the nuts. Mm-hmm. And I, I think she could handle, you know, any kind of movie really. I, I really don't think that she can be shoehorned into any particular genre. I think she's that talented. So I absolutely agree that I think her Joan of Arc would be unreal. And I'd yeah. watch it in a heartbeat. I absolutely would. I'm going to go look up the Luke Besson one now. I'm yeah. interested to watch it. 1999. All right. All right. Should I'll I move to the next it. one? Yeah, let's do it. Let's <coughs> run through these. This, this next one is an interesting one. Uh, mm-hmm. Sergio Leone's Leningrad's The 900 Days. Ooh. So that's interesting because I think yeah. of Sergio Leone, I immediately think of like spaghetti, spaghetti westerns. westerns. Yeah. I don't think of a, a war film set in Leningrad. No. Uh, so let me read this one. Spaghetti Western legend Sergio Leone got his start working on, as an assistant director on Vittorio De Sisa's classic Italian new realist film, The Bicycle Thieves. Oh, I actually didn't know he was what? involved in that. Yeah. Really? That's amazing. I didn't know that. That's a great little piece of uh, trivia. Yeah, uh, it is. Wow. So, yeah. I had I would never have connected those two. Uh, no. Leon went on to make several pioneering films, including The Man with No Name trilogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was reportedly producer Robert Evans' first choice to direct The Godfather. Uh, which Leon really? Mm, uh, which Boy, we, we we could spend an entire episode talking about Sergio Leone's Godfather. Yeah. That, that's 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 another project that's not made that should be on this list. That's insane. Yeah, that's uh, nuts. Uh, which Leone is said to have turned down because he thought it glorified the mafia. Fair play. It uh, does. It does. <laughs> it does. He's not uh, wrong. Yeah, he's not wrong on that one. Uh, during Leone's final years, he worked hard to film Leningrad and the, the 900 Days. A World War II film that would ha- would star Robert De Niro, and was based on a book by journalist uh, Harrison Salesby. In eight, uh, sorry, nineteen eighty nine, Leone had raised a hundred million to fund the film, and was dazed from signing the contract when he died of a heart attack. Aww. Oh, so, yeah. that's so sad. Oh no! So close. We could have had. It was like nearly happened. That nearly happened. That was close to happening. And like, well, hang on. So, what happened to the hundred million? Who knows? Sketchy. That that could be that could be fraud. Yeah, that sounds Pro- like the, like the producers. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. But that's there's so much to unpack there. There's so much. So, freaking Sergio Leone started with the fucking bicycle thieves. It was almost that's uh, so surprising. Went on to become Spaghetti Western legend that we know him as. Almost got uh, then, chosen to direct The oh, Godfather of all fucking films. I can't, yeah, mate. Th- th- these are the most like mind-blowing facts you've said so far. I can't believe this. Yeah, it's mental. But like, yeah. I really... This, what's, this, what's sad, though, is that it doesn't really explain uh, what this film would have been about. I, I imagine... Would it have been the yeah. Russians fighting against the the, the Germans? I don't, I don't know. Probably, you I guess. You'd imagine. 
uh, who would De Niro I mean, Yeah, this is it. It's hard to say. Uh, wouldn't I wouldn't have because yeah, is De Niro going to play a Russian or a German? I think He's probably he would have played American, a Russian. Or he would have played, if this is by, so it's based on a book by a journalist called Harrison Salesby. Uh, I was going to say it sounds very British, but actually Harrison as a first name sounds more American. So maybe he's plays mm. the American journalist stuck in between. I don't know. I, I just can't help but try and imagine a Sergio Leone godfather. I, I think that would have been amazing. I think it already feels kind of spaghetti westerny in certainly the second one. Like when we get all of these like scenes in Italy, that does feel like because obviously they were shooting in Italy and Spain for a lot of those spaghetti westerns. Mm. Um, I wonder if it would have felt more Italian and more European, but I have yeah, a feeling would have. <clears throat> but saying that, I I do know that um, Ford, uh, about to say Harrison Ford, Ford Cop mm -hmm. Coppola. Uh, really wanted it to feel very Italian, and I'm not sure if Sergio Leone would have had the same approach. I think he's I think more... he would have. I'm not sure because he worked a lot with um, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I mean, he wouldn't I, have yeah, minded because there's a reason why we call them the spaghetti westerns is that they they did feel very Italian, and he uh, he sort of brought into the genre this sort of like uh, this sort of new viewpoint. Uh, he sort of brought the sort of religious angle in that they're quite mm. Catholic in nature. Um, so yeah, like he he sort of brought in this new flavor to the Western genre that was a bit more European in tone and in uh, in approach. So yeah, I don't see why uh, that wouldn't have translated to The Godfather. If anything, it probably would have lent itself even better. Maybe, maybe. I did feel that uh, Coppola's version was very European. Yeah, did... absolutely. Yeah. He's definitely he's definitely still like an incredibly talented director, Coppola, and he, you know, no doubt uh, does a good job with the uh, the Godfather films. Yeah. yeah, I can't help but imagine like how different it would be with Sergio. Maybe it wouldn't be that different. Maybe if they changed the ending so the bad guys got cap caught in the end, he might have liked it. But I think that because everything is, uh, by the end of it, Michael is on top of everything, I guess. Leon was like, nah, it's just not okay. You can't put the bad guy as the winner mm. at the end. Yeah. Anyway, shall we move on to the next one? Let's do it. This is number five. This and it's one. Five. This is so we're one halfway you, through. Yeah, we're about halfway through. Uh, this is one you named earlier, actually. This is Alfred Hitchcock's Kaleidoscope. Kaleidoscope. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yes, I, I've heard about this. I I don't know much about the movie. I just know that uh, I know the elements of his original script ended up in a film called Frenzy or Kaleidoscope Frenzy. Hmm. He basically bar he basically took elements of the script that the production company were okay with him having, and he made a different film. Uh, but his original vision uh, would have been darker, more. Um, in your face, uh, more challenging to the audience, and the production company just went, you know what, it, this will hurt even your brand. Like mm. they were like, yeah, you can do no wrong. There are so many things you've done that we've told you you shouldn't do it. You ignored us, and it's only enforced your brand. 
like having a, a toilet flush in Psycho. That the, <laughs> the, as much as you laugh, it's the first example of a toilet flushing in Psycho. And it was one of the biggest reasons why they wanted to censor the film. They were like, you shouldn't have a flushing toilet. That's disgusting. And it's the first example of it committed to screen. Um, and f somehow that's the most controversial thing of Psycho. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not sure if Kaleidoscope would have been before or after Psycho, but they said to him, if you make this, the Hitchcock <clears throat> brand will die. So I can't imagine how brutal it must have been. Shall I read it for you? Yeah, let's do it. Alfred Hitchcock wanted to follow up the subversive success of Psycho with the ah. gruesome Kaleidoscope. So yeah, Psycho came first. Uh, probably, probably that just pushed him to go a bit further. You know, his psycho got away with it. Okay, let's let's see how far okay, we can the, push this shit. The, this <laughs> this time, I'm going to film someone taking a shit. <laughs> uh, based on the stories of two infamous British serial killers, uh, Neville Heath and John George Hayne. I think that's how you pronounce Hayne or Hayne. We've just got a G right. in it, so I don't know. Uh, the screenplay, which Hitchcock wrote himself was deemed too disturbing due to its gory and sexual nature. And the MCA slash Universal Studios shut down the project. Many of the themes Hitchcock wanted to explore in Kaleidoscope showed up in his later film, Ah, Frenzy, like you just said. Yeah. Inclu including the link between sexual violence and serial murder. The would-be main character in Kaleidoscope, a closeted gay man turned serial rapist and killer also made use of the also made use of the depraved homosexual trope oh so this Ooh. is a this is also him exploring uh what he was trying to do with rope as well then have you seen rope i haven't seen a rope no so rope is a hitchcock film oh actually I'm going to interrupt you because I see the word rope slightly in it's in the next sentence. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, no, let me let, let me let me get it right before you confirm. But yeah, like rope was like it's this movie where like the subtext of it is it's like two serial. It's two killers and they're not allowed like Hitchcock wasn't allowed to overtly say that they were gay. So he hmm. used like subtext to sort of imply these two are, are, are like in a gay relationship, but like mm. the censors wouldn't allow him. He wanted to make it like overt. Like he wanted it, they're gay, but they, they wouldn't, he wasn't allowed to do that. So he had to sort of just layer it in there underneath the plot. Okay. What well, then the, the final line of this says, uh, Hitchcock employed this in many of his films, including Rebecca, Rebecca and rope. Oh, and the trope Rebecca's has persisted. Good. Uh, throughout cinema and television history. So, ah, Wait, so... hang on. So you're saying that the 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 husband in Rebecca's gay? Uh, maybe. I. I think what? I've That's seen blowing my mind. Oh, I've seen Rebecca. It's brilliant. It's really good. Um, I also recommend if if you've seen Rebecca, watch Rebecca, then go and watch the Mitchell and Webb look version of Rebecca, which is uh -huh. really funny. I'm starting to remember it now. Is this where she's like basically being tortured by her husband or something crazy? It, it's, it's not tortured, but like, so the idea of Rebecca, uh, Rebecca is not in the movie. And so it's about a guy who meets a woman and they get, they fall in love and they get married and he moves her into this house. And when she gets there, the whole house is basically a shrine 
to his previous wife who died and her name was Rebecca and all of the staff can't stop talking about how amazing she was and about how shit this new one is. And he mm. keeps saying, no, no, I love you. And da, 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 da. But then he keeps saying like, you know, like uh, there's one point where she finds a dress and the staff say to her, oh yeah, yeah, go wear the dress. And he, and she comes downstairs and he loses his shit. Cause it was her dress. He's like, take that thing off. Like it's, it's uh it's really brutal. So, like, but it's not the husband that's abusing her. It's more the the spirit of Rebecca. Like, it's not supernatural, but it's like she's not dead. It's like the husband won't let her die, and the staff won't stop talking about her. And it's like her presence is still felt in the house, even though she's been dead. It's really good. It's really, oh, really good. This is making me really want to watch some uh, Hitchcock films right now. Yeah, no, mate, I highly recommend Rebecca. And uh, Rope's pretty good. It's not his best work, but it's pretty good. All right. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I think, I don't know, if there's a script still around of uh, Kaleidoscope, I think that deserves Ooh. another look at. All right, so next film? <clears throat> next film, number four. No, uh, number six, actually. Uh, this one. Oh, sorry, I thought we were going from ten to one. We were uh, going okay. one to ten. All right, yeah. All right. Uh, this sounds, I haven't read it yet, but just from the title alone, this, this heading sounds nuts. So Guillermo del Toro and Charlie Kaufman's Slaughterhouse Five. And I'm just thinking, mm. okay, uh, del Toro. Okay. I understand horror. Yeah. But Charlie Kaufman, like I, I like him. Uh, he's a brilliant screenwriter, but I just don't imagine him writing anything with, Del Toro, I just, I would never have connected those two, two people before. I mean, like, to to be fair though, Del Toro isn't really about horror. He's yeah. more about like fa like fantasy and fairy tale. I, I I think he's very like Tim Burton. Like you you can sort of put them in the same guys. You know, like they've both done pretty gothic stuff, but you'd never go so far as to call it horror, would you? Like see, well, Sleepy Hollow's probably the the most horror the, that Tim Burton did. And I wouldn't call it a horror film. I'd call it... No, nah, like it's a gothic. gothic yeah. But I, I think the same can be said with Hellboy and, and his other stuff. His Pinocchio, I really liked. I really liked his Pinocchio. I, but I'm still... Charlie Kaufman. Okay. Uh, let, let me read this one well, then. Yeah, yeah, Charlie Kaufman's... It's a bit surprising. Yeah. So in, in 2013... Uh, Guillermo del Toro. If that's, I'm sorry if I'm butchering these names today. Uh, the author, the author behind uh, Pan's I've, Labyrinth. I've never been able to say his name. Well, I know double L is Y, mm. but I'm still not sure how you pronounce it. And The Shape of Water was reportedly Guillermo. Yeah, Gu Guillermo probably uh, was reportedly in talks with screenwriter Charlie Kaufman. Uh, internal uh, sunshine of the spotless mind is in brackets there. To adapt Kurt Vondergaard's legendary novel Slaughterhouse Five, according to Del Toro, he and Kaufman 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 uh, discussed uh, the novel and stumbled across the perfect way of doing the book. But Del Toro expressed some reservations in regards to being able to afford Kaufman, stating Charlie Kaufman is a very expensive writer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> in in a uh, 2020 I like interview, Del Toro. He's funny. Yeah. 
Uh, Kaufman commented that he and Del Toro's discussion hadn't amounted to anything and that he wasn't interested in adapting a, a, a novel like that. Kaufman did acknowledge the book may be better suited to a, as a miniseries rather than a traditional two-hour film. Hmm. Well. Interesting. I, I don't know too much of Kurt Vonnegut's stuff. Um, no. But yeah, that's kind of, that doesn't really sound like anything was going to really happen there. I don't know. I mean, unless they suddenly That was probably just conversations. This is, yeah. It was probably just conversations floating around Hollywood to like build hype so they could maybe make a movie or build a project. But sometimes they just start rumors to put up someone's price for a different project. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, we've heard that, the, oh, Will Smith, you're going to do The Matrix. Okay, we'll triple your salary for Wild Wild West. Okay, I'll do Wild Wild West. You know, I'm sure yeah. stuff like that happens. I'm pretty sure it does. And I don't know. I mean, like, it says they were reportedly in talks. Like, they probably just met one day at a bar or something, just had a br brief chat. Oh, wouldn't that be a great film have, to Have you read adapt? that book? Ha yeah. Yeah, they, they just got wasted and they were like, have you read that book? That'd make a film, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Then someone, hears, and then someone that's overhears it. the conversation, reports it. And then someone yeah. says, are you going to hire Charlie Kaufman to write these films? Oh, it's too expensive. And like, he's never, <laughs> never going to make it anyway. Uh, yeah, that's probably that's probably more like what was going down. Yeah. Probably not. Could have been a good project, though. Could have been, been a good project. Mm. Uh, it'd be very interesting to see uh, Kaufman's writing style uh, directed through Del Toro. I have no idea what that. I know that like. that does that does make me curious. Yeah, that does make me curious. Anyway, shall we move on to the next one? Because that was mostly just gossip, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, number seven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> David Lynch's Ronnie Rocket. Uh, I don't know if that sounds Ronnie Rocket. To yeah. Does that sound familiar to you? Ronnie Rocket. It does not sound familiar to me, but I love David Lynch. And the name Ronnie Rocket definitely doesn't sing David Lynch to me. It sounds like a porn star. Uh, sounds like a porn star or like a speed racer kind of movie. Like, I don't know. What, what is this movie? What is Ronnie Rocket? Let, let's find out. Uh, from the time David Lynch uh, completed his first film, A Race Ahead. I didn't know that was his first film, by the way. I have seen that. It's brilliantly weird. No, I thought, it was, I thought his first film was Elephant Man. Uh, no. Interesting thing, by the way, I didn't notice till recently, I read this somewhere. Uh, so apparently Mel Brooks, uh, helped produce, uh, Elephant Man. Well, I'm quite surprised. Really? Was, yeah. And apparently, um, That's... when the studio saw Elephant Man, they were like, ah, we don't really like that. Can you change this and that? And Mel Brooks stood up for Lynch and said, look, like, we're just here to show you the film nice. that we made. Uh, we didn't ask yeah, that... for your feedback or something along those lines and just said, bye-bye. Like they, they didn't change anything, which is great. I like that. I like Mel Brooks. He's cool. Yeah. I I'll tell you, I'll tell you a little, uh, a little tidbit about Elephant Man. Uh, you know, Dexter Fletcher. He's in it as a boy, isn't it? Yeah. He's a little boy. Yeah. He's only like eight or nine in it or something. And now he's like a prolific director. 
he made uh didn't he make Eddie the Eagle? Maybe. I'm not too sure. I'm not, I don't know. I've seen him more as a an actor than than any of his directorial work. I mean, yeah, same, same. I I really like him as an actor. He's in Misfits, isn't he? He's fucking the Irish dude's dad. Is he? Yeah, yeah. The why is that Irish? No, never mind. I, I mean, you you can you can meet an Irish woman at university who breaks your heart. <laughs> like um, um, so let's continue with this then. Uh, so on. he's just finished making a race ahead. Uh, he he dreamt of making Ronnie Rocket, an eccentric fifties uh, inspired science fiction film. While casting Ronnie Rocket. Uh, Lynch met Michael J. Anderson, who became a frequent cast member in Lynch's projects. However, Lynch was unable to find funding, and instead he made Elephant Man. Uh, that's a three-year mm. gap, though. Uh, yeah. that's, that's interesting. Over the years, uh, Lynch has returned to the idea of Ronnie, for Ronnie Rocket uh, several times, but has run into uh, the, the same, ish, uh, same funding issues each time. He acknowledged in a 2013 interview that the idea may be out of date, but some aspects of it continue to draw him back in. I think he could still make it. I don't really know what it's about, though. It doesn't really give yeah, you much in information. This is it. I, I want to know what Ronnie Rocket is like. Like, what 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 are we what are we commenting on here? Because David Lynch is so weird. Is it going to be like a weird film? It must be right. It'll be a weird film. It's not going to be linear. It's not going to be. It's not going to make sense. Mm. So I ju we just we, we just need to know what the story beats would be. Really, that's all you can really do with a David Lynch film. This is what happens. Like it or lump it. Doesn't make sense to you? That's fine. It doesn't make sense to many other people. <laughs> that's fine. That, it's a that's film, what he does. It's a film for the critics to to mm. talk about. But like, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I agree with Lynch. Maybe I think it could still work. Well, it depends. Uh, 50s inspired need... science fiction. Uh, didn't Keanu Reeves do The Day the Earth Stood Still? He remade The Day the Earth Stood Still. Another film that didn't have to be remade. Another film that didn't have to be remade. But the original is 1950s, isn't it? Mm, I think so, um, yeah. The, the remake doesn't do anything in the way of of sticking to the original like it it modernizes it and i i think you're right i, I would also be interested in seeing a 1950s style uh, sci-fi film you know let's not forget blue velvet set in the 50s mm -hmm. that's another david lynch film and I, I, I it's a it's a work of art it's a work of art if it's not set in the 50s it's certainly inspired by uh the 50s uh, it feels so 50s it's unreal um so yeah i i, I wouldn't mind that at all a 1950s sci-fi i'd be well up for that yeah. david lynch give it give it to me i'm down i that, i'd just like to know what the story is i'd like to know what it's yeah about. that would have been interesting I, I have a feeling maybe it was too grand a project that no one wanted to give the money you know a bit too big maybe for him because you know when you're when you have someone who's very eccentric, I think, I don't know, a lot of them end up well, working with smaller budgets because you never know whether that money's I mean, going Yeah, I mean, he did do Dune, which was said to be one of the, you know, way too high budget to, to make. And then he was the one that made it. And mm. I don't know. I don't really like his Dune, 
but I don't hate. I no, actually, no. I tell a lot. I do like his Dune. I think I like his Dune better than the new one. Um, I should give it a watch. I haven't seen. I don't it. know. Actually, it's hard. It's hard to separate them because they're both so different in tone. They feel very different. I I'll let hard you know. To I, say. I didn't really like Dune too much. The new one. I just. I kept feeling the whole time watching it. This is just setting up a sequel, setting up a sequel, setting up a sequel. I, like, oh, I, yeah, I, that's exactly what it was doing. Yeah, and it, it just bugs me. Like, just let it be its own film. If it's good, yeah. then we'll see the sequel. Like, fuck off with this. Exactly. It just felt. But, I don't know. But, no, I agree. When when you're so focused on setting up sequels and and stuff, like you can sometimes forget on how to make your film a complete story. You know. Uh, yeah. where it feels unfinished and it's like well yeah you, you can leave plot holes to to explain in sequels but like you can't leave the plot <laughs> for, for the sequels like it still needs to feel self-contained it still needs yeah. to feel like on its own it can still be watched um, that's what's important to me when you make a film even if you're making sequels when you take it on its own individually it should be still perfectly understandable and can stand on its own. Completely, yeah. So right, let's let's get to the next one then. Uh, this is an interesting project. Uh, Stanley Kubrick's Napoleon. Yes, I knew about this one, yeah. Yeah. I knew I, about this, that he really wanted to make a Napoleon film. He would have smashed that. I, I really yeah. think he could have smashed the shit out of that. Um, Shall I read I think- this one? I'm pretty wanna... sure he he may I think he might have actually named someone to like because I, I think he did a lot of work on it and then I think before he died he named who he would want to direct it although I could be making that up maybe we'll see let's if we read it maybe it will reveal itself uh, perhaps one of the most ambitious films imaginable Stanley Kubrick's Napoleon promised to be an epic film in every sense Kubrick planned to borrow. 40,000 real infantry (laughs) 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 and 10,000, uh, 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 what is that? Cavalries from the Romanian army to film Mm. the, uh, illustrate, Oh my God. Why are you doing this to me? Illustrative battle, battle scenes. I didn't say that word correctly at all. Uh, he and his team conducted years worth of incredibly detailed historical research on Napoleon and the time period. And he even asked Audrey Hepburn to play the part of Napoleon's wife, Josephine, which she declined, by the way. Uh, Interesting. Um, Unsurprisingly, such a film would have required a massive budget. And in uh, 1969, MGM decided it was too risky and shut down the film before production began. Oh, so it was like, it was like a. Would have been one of his early ones. Sixty-nine. He was a, he was around a bit by then. Uh, well, I think he, well, he already wasn't, did. Wasn't two thousand and one sixty-eight? Yeah. Uh, I think yeah, it must have been about about the same time, definitely. Or and, then, and then obviously, and then obviously he filmed the moon landing the year later. Yeah, 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 of course. So by the time you film, the, if you film the moon landing, they've got to let you film anything. So uh, let me, let's let's finish this off. Uh, what year did he mm. die, by the way? Late 90s, early 2000s? It was like 2000, yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, so 
in uh, in 2009, a massive 10 part book of Kubrick's archival research and the Napoleon script was published under the title Stanley Kubrick's Napoleon, the greatest movie never made. But there are still efforts to bring Napoleon to life. In 2021, reports emerged that Steven Spielberg and Kerry Joji oh. Fukunaga will be teaming up with HBO to make Kubrick's Napoleon into a miniseries. You know, I was, I was just going to say, if you're going to do it, like, with all of his stuff, like, who, what director do you get? It'd have to be Spielberg, wouldn't it? It would be, have yeah. Get, yeah. It would be Spielberg that you'd bring in to do it. Because he's probably the only direct living director that could really, you know, pay homage to Kubrick, mm. like, in form you know really allow it to be a stanley kubrick film rather than a spielberg film i think yeah. that's what spielberg would do he would try and make a kubrick film he wouldn't be trying to make a spielberg film oh he could i i would be surprised if he passed up the opportunity also mm -hmm. kerry joji fukunaga is very prolific these days he's been on a lot yeah. of stuff uh his visual mm. style is a bit interesting so yeah that, I think that could happen. I think I'd, they should really push that. to make that. I'd love that. That would be great. I'm I'm 100% on board for that. Because let's not forget Spielberg did finish Eyes Wide Shut after Kubrick died. So we've already had a Kubrick film that was almost finished and then Spielberg stepped in to complete it. But I have heard that it was pretty much done. Steven Spielberg just came in to make sure it was finished. Probably. I'm not sure. I don't think Steven Spielberg had to actually shoot anything new. Maybe he did, but I, I think it. I don't think his involvement was as big as we often are told or led to believe. Um, but yeah, absolutely, it would have to be Spielberg to make Napoleon. Ten out of ten. I want this one made. Of all the ones that we've said so far, it's this and Kaleidoscope that I want to see the most. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Mm. All right. Here's the next one. Maybe, maybe actually Catherine Bigelow's Joan of Arc I would quite like to watch as well. Yeah. Number nine, Paul Verhoeven's Crusade. <clears throat> the guy uh, who directed fucking Total Recall. Yep. And Robocop, it says as well. Uh, actually, that's the main thing I know him from, actually, those two films. Yeah. Um, so... In the early 90s, Paul Verhoeven, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, the Dutch director behind Robocop and Total Recall, tried to make a medieval epic tale called Crusade. In what would have oh, been... Oh, with Arnold Schwarzenegger! The one with Arnold Schwarzenegger! Yeah, I see his name coming up. Calm yeah, down, let me read this. it. I've heard about <laughs> this! Yeah, I really want to watch this! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I've heard of this. Go on, go on, go on. So, in what would have been uh, a somewhat subversive uh, storyline that departed from a, the typical Hollywood glorification of Western Christian powers, Verhoeven's Christian crusaders were to be depicted critically as colonizers rather than heroes. Ooh. Of that period of history, Verhoeven said, the story of the crusades is the murderous attack of the Christians on the Arabs and the Jews. Uh -huh. Actually, when you actually know the history, that is true. Uh, mm. The film moved forward. The cast would have included Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jennifer Colony, and Robert Duvall. Robert Duvall as well, okay. Ooh, uh, unfortunately, 
Unfortunately, as production costs soared past 100 million, the studio, Carol Co., never heard of them, opted to pull the plug. You haven't so, heard of them. I never heard of Carol Co. Who you, are they? I'm, I'm sure if you see their logo, you'll recognize them. They've done a bunch of stuff. I think James Cameron worked with them for ages. So, what do you think of that one then? I mean, I was aware of it already, and I'm 100% on board with that. That also makes it into the list of the ones I actually desperately want to watch. Yeah, I I'd, love to, I'd love to watch that. And I'll tell you this, Craig, if you watch Last Action Hero, and there's a scene where Arnie is in a trailer for like an action-fueled version of Hamlet, and <laughs> when, you see, when you see Schwarzenegger in a medieval setting, doing lines from Shakespeare, but then there's explosions going off. Mate, there's a bit, he, he puts a cigar in his mouth and he goes, to be or not to be. <laughs> and he, he lights his cigar and then there's an explosion behind him and he just goes, not to be. <laughs> it's like I would, in a heartbeat, watch Schwarzenegger's Hamlet. Give me that. Any day of the week. Yeah, look, I, I would love to see Schwarzenegger do Medieval. The little bit that we've gotten, I am in love with. So, yeah, I'm all on board for the Crusades. All I think that would have been a very interesting film. That would yeah. be very cool. And Verhoeven is a quality like director. It, like, certainly back then, like, I'm guessing this would have been the 90s, early yeah. 90s. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. You could just imagine how awesome and epic this film would be. I think that at the time, though, I don't know how ready Hollywood would be for that. Like the idea, the story of the Crusades uh, with the Christians I'm being the bad guys. It. Yeah. Now, I think now people will be up for that. So back in the day, I think, nah, yeah. I think there would be more. I'm cautious. ready for it. Give, yeah. give it to us, Hollywood. We deserve it. We deserve it. Also, with Schwarzenegger as well. I want Schwarzenegger in this. You gotta, you gotta remember as well, because I think sometimes we forget this when we look back at things and from the past. Hundred million today is not the same as a hundred million it was like Very in the nineties. Like that would probably Very be close true. to half a billion or something nuts. Like so, that would have been a fucking huge I mean, film. I'm not sure how much like it would be after inflation, but yeah, it would be significantly more for sure. Yeah, for sure. But still, that should be made one day. Yeah, I hope so. Maybe okay. Schwarzenegger might be a bit old, but still, that's got to be done. Ah, he could play like a king or something. True, true. Uh, all right, should we get on to our final film, number 10? Let's do it, baby. One more. Here, here we are. Number 10 is Alejandro uh, Jorowski's Dune. I don't know if I pronounced Jorowski correctly. Joe Dorowski. Joe Dorowski, I think is how you pronounce it. But so, gonna, so I'm guessing this is going to be the version of Dune that was so fucking expensive that they were like, no, let's give it to David Lynch Ooh, instead. There is something about money I see coming up. Uh, oh, go on then. Okay. Have you, have you heard of this guy before, Alejandro Dorowski? Not offhand, but I, I was aware that Dune went through like a bunch of hands before it ended up with... David Lynch, and they still weren't even 100% if they wanted to make it. Mm. But they did end up going with Lynch. Um, but I, yeah, I've heard that Dune has crossed hands at Hollywood like a million and one times. No one really feels like they can do the book justice. 
Yeah. Um, so I'm guessing this falls under that. Yeah. Let's, let me read it for you now. Uh, there is much disagreement among, among film bluffs and uh, sci-fi fans about which ab- film adaptation of Dune is the better one. David Lynch's uh, eccentric 1984 version. Was it 1984? I thought it was in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, which Lynch uh, confessed to hating. Oh. Yeah, or, Lynch doesn't like it. I didn't know that. Or Dennis Villeneuve's book, uh, Loyal Book uh, 24- How do you pronounce his name? Dennis? I don't know. Because <laughs> he, he, by the way, he directed the last Jurassic Park movie as well. I Dennis Villeneuve's uh, book, Loyal 2021 you, adaptation. You're asking me to help you pronounce a name. I haven't got it written down in front of me either. Like I, I have no idea how you pronounce his name. Actually, I've only I, ever seen it written down in the book. Uh, yeah, I've I've actually butchered names in this in this pod this episode. I've really That's fucked some fine. people's names. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry to everyone. But another adaptation, uh, one which was never made, looms almost as large. Uh, Alejandro Jorodowski's 1974 project. So that's four, 10 years before um, Lynch's. Uh, mm-hmm. A big enough venture that there is an entire documentary about its ultimately doomed production. Okay, that's interesting. Jorodowski, mm-hmm. uh, famous for his surrealist films, never heard of him, so I can't say, <laughs> began writing the script in a castle rented for him by a French producer. Michael Sado, uh, and brought on famous comic artist Jean Mobius, Mobius? Girard to create a 3,000 drawing uh, storyboard. Pink Floyd was to provide the music for the film. Whoa. <laughs> it gets worse. It gets even crazier. And Salvador Dali was brought on to play the part of the Emperor. <laughs> what? At a whopping cost of a hundred thousand per hour. <laughs> Fucking hell! Ultimately, the skyrocketing budget and Jorodowski's unwillingness to compromise on his desired ten to twelve-hour runtime doomed the film into development hell. What the fuck? <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I I have heard about this one. Yeah, I have heard about this one. You you saying ten to twelve-hour runtime? I've definitely heard about this one. That's really mad. That's yeah. really mad. I'd definitely watch a movie uh, with Salvador Dali in it. With Pink Floyd doing the soundtrack. With, with Pink <laughs> Floyd doing the soundtrack. I kind of... It sounds epic in nature. It sounds everything that I want. It would and have been probably, very weird as well. Oh, yeah. It would have been very weird. Speaking of Dali, I watched the new Dali movie with Ben Kingsley. It's actually all right. Yeah, I can imagine him playing Dali. I mm. think that would work. For, that works really well. If you're interested in Dali and and you want to watch it, it's called Dali Land. Go watch it. All right, I'll I'll also check e- that out as well. Ezra Ezra Miller plays Dali in the back in the flashback. Oh, interesting. Which, kind of a good choice, I thought. I thought both Ben Kingsley and Ezra Miller good choices for Dali mm. in different areas of his life. Yeah, but I really can see that. Uh, yeah, I can really see Ben Kingsley, Ezra Miller. Maybe he's turning I, his life around. We'll see. I, I I could really see like an Adrian Brody type doing Dali as well. 
I'm sure he would have done Dali. That sounds like something he would have done. Yeah, it does. I'm, I've got something in my head. Maybe, maybe it's because of uh, him working with the uh, what's his name Anderson. But like, I've just got an image in my head of him having the Dali moustache. Perhaps he's already <laughs> done it, or perhaps it's just the Wes Anderson film. That's our list of ten films. Well, not That's our, our list, list really. That was a list I found on the internet and read out loud to you from... I'll also read out the name again. Big big ups to Eloise What's-Her-Face. Not Eloise. Elisa Siegel, if that's how you pronounce it. Elisa Siegel, big ups to you. Big ups to you. Thanks for the list. You've given us some extra content to talk about. I think... I I mean, look, there's a handful of films there that I would really love to watch. Um uh, funny enough, I, I tell you one, it's not even on the list, but I think Spike Lee doing a, a Muhammad Ali movie would be amazing. That would have been amazing as well. And also, yeah. uh, freaking Sergio Leone doing uh, the Godfather. Godfather. What the yeah. hell? Oh my God. Oh, I would eat that up. So yeah, there's there's been a few projects on this list, like bonus projects, I guess, uh, that have ended up being more interesting than the actual uh, things on the list, some of them. Um, yeah, I, I I would watch an awful lot of these. I would love to watch an awful lot of these. Yeah, me too. Mm. But still, there's a chance we might see some of them eventually. Who knows? Yeah, what was that early one? One of the first ones you mentioned that we still might get? Uh, Gershwin. Gershwin, that, yeah, that's right. That could still happen. Uh, Spike Lee's film... Um, well, what did we say about it? From by the boxer, about the the other boxer. Yeah, yeah, the boxer. But uh, and then pro- uh, there was also uh, we also might get Napoleon by Spielberg. Yes, yes, and but they still should look into kaleidoscope and see if that can be done. Definitely. Oh God, yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. So I, I think out of all of these, kaleidoscope is the one I'd want to watch the most. Mm. Uh, but obviously we've had like Hitchcock's been dead for many a year so what director would you like to see direct Kaleidoscope Frenzy I know who the what the answer is already but who would you (laughs) like to see I don't know actually I mean who do you think captures Hitchcock best these days Brian De Palma oh yeah because he's pretty much made a career out of copying him as everyone says uh, all right then. Well, thank you, Craig, for that list. That was that was really informative. I enjoyed that. We can do and, more. Uh, of yeah, well, let's do more of these. Maybe, uh, maybe we'll come up with we'll find another list for something else, and we'll do another impromptu, uh, unprepared list reading, and comment mm. on it. Because yeah, I've enjoyed this. I think next time we should do uh, movies that were never released. That's our next one. Huh? Yeah, yeah, let's do that because I, I again, there's a couple that I, I'm aware of. Um, so yeah, I'd be very interested to have that chat too. Definitely. All right. All right. Well, uh, do you want to do the outro today, Craig? Considering it was basically your episode, like all you, man. I just basically read a list. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, okay. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, we had a lot of fun with this one. A lot of little interesting things we didn't know. So that's mm-hmm. always super fun to do. Very interesting. I actually really enjoyed this episode. Yeah, um, good fun. 
so yeah let's hopefully do more of these uh take it easy keep listening to us we're where are we we're on spotify apple amazon uh stitcher port uh what's it called Castbox. Castbox. There's something else of a similar name that I forgot. Google Podcasts. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Basically, like most platforms, you can find us. We've spread Uh, everywhere like chlamydia. Yeah. And also follow us on Twitter. uh, As Tobias always likes, capital F, capital T, one word. And then capital T? Oh, yeah, not T. Film shrapnel. Film S, sorry. I'm thinking of Twitter. So capital F, capital S. No, capital F, capital S. Yes, I can spell. I can spell. Uh, <laughs> that's terrible. This oh. is why I do the outro, guys. This is why this you is do why the I outro. Do. Uh, and also, you can you can also find us on uh, uh, TikTok. TikTok. Which is all lowercase film shrapnel. Listen to our little gibberish videos and keep listening to us. Thank you very much. Oh, Craig, you're amazing. I love you. (laughs) Yes, aren't I just? Thanks, guys, for listening to us. We are Phil Shrapnel, and we'll see you in the next one. See ya. Bye. Shrapnel!